0: I thought one day, if I have enough money to be able to go and eat at Burger King or whatever fast food place every day, then I will be rich.
1: You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money, but it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Welcome, friends. I hope everyone is safe and healthy with their friends and their family as we all face this coronavirus pandemic. The truth is, a lot of us are having a lot of time on our hands to examine what really matters and being isolated From so many people that we care about has brought a new appreciation for those relationships. But for many of us, regardless of what's happening in our life, our jobs, our income, we are realizing how much money we spend on things that as we self isolate in our homes, we are managing without all those daily habits, also that made us feel rich, like a morning latte for some of us, just saying. Most of us literally cannot buy, and you know what? We're managing. So what now? Well, I wanted to share with all of you guys an interview that was actually recorded before all this was happening, but it's eerily relevant to how we all feel about our wealth in this historic time and why so many of us never really feel like we've made it when it comes to feeling secure about our wealth. Chris Gillibo is a New York Times bestselling author, seven books, amazing, right? His latest book is called The Money Tree, and the book uses a fictional storyline to engage readers and share a unique perspective on the financial decisions we all make, both personal and in business. There are plot twists and surprises, and an ending that actually caught me off guard. Chris also hosts the Side Hustle School podcast, which gets an incredible 2 million downloads a month. He also has a blog and a number of other amazing projects. We're gonna have his info at the end of the interview and in our show notes so you can learn more about him as well. But before you pick up the book, enjoy our interview. Here is Chris Gillibo. Chris Gillibo, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here.
1: Well, we're excited to have you. You've written, oh my gosh, how many books have you written? You have a new one coming out now called The yes. Many Tree, a story about finding the fortune in your own backyard. You're also known for your side hustle podcast and other bestsellers. I mean, you had the $100 startup.
0: Do tell. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, this is book number seven. I actually love writing books. Like, I love different forms of media, like everybody, but I, I always wanted to be an author. Like, I wanted to write books. But as you know, this one is quite different from all my others in the fact that I'm telling a story. Essentially, so I'm trying to teach something, but I'm also using this format of, of narrative storytelling.
1: yeah, I opened it expecting the usual how to business book, especially because you are such an expert in the space of side hustles and generating extra income and I was delighted I know that sounds a little bit you know, <laughs> but it, it really was it was it was a page turner. I read it in just two days, and it's a wonderful story, but I'm gonna hold off talking more about that because we want to get to your money story right away. We'll come back and talk more about the money tree your money story has to do with the role that Burger King played in your life. And then we're going to transition from Burger King to the W Hotel in Hong Kong. Okay. Bring us through the story, Chris.
0: Yes. A little a tour of the culinary landscape. You know, six-year-old Chris, when people would ask me like, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? Other people are like, I want to be the president. I want to be a basketball player. And at the age of six, Burger King was my favorite restaurant. You know, like my parents were split up. My dad would pick me up on Wednesdays and go to Burger King. So I would say I want to work at Burger King, and I thought it would be like the greatest place in the world. You know, so obviously, like I grew up and I realized, okay, you know, not the greatest place uh, to work. Um, But even as a teenager, I kept eating there because that was the habit of the time. And so I thought one day, if I have enough money to be able to go and eat at Burger King or whatever fast food place every day, then I will be rich then I'll be well off. I don't have to think about it. I can just go if I want to get an extra apple pie, you know, whatever it is. And then of course, like kind of grow up and do other stuff. And I was an aid worker for four years in West Africa. I'd always kind of worked for myself from the age of 19. i learned various little entrepreneurial projects, selling things online and such. And so I did the aid worker stuff. And then I had a project of going to every country in the world, started blogging about it, turned into this whole like unexpected author career and so on. And so like at a certain point, I realized there was this moment when I was traveling in Hong Kong, which is one of my favorite places in the world. And I was at the W Hotel and because of my like hotel status, because I stay in hotels all the time, uh, they give me free breakfast and it's a very elaborate breakfast, incredible buffet. And they also like cook things to order and such. And the price, if you have to pay for it is like $35 or something. And that's a lot for breakfast. It is a lot for breakfast, you know? And I remember sitting there and thinking like, okay, for, yeah, it's a lot for breakfast for sure. I'm glad I don't have to pay for it. But you know what? If I did have to pay for it, then I could You know, I could pay for it. And I would say, oh, you know what? That's an expensive breakfast. But I would still be able to pay for it. And I thought, this is how I know that I've made it, essentially, right? Like the fact that if I want to have a nice breakfast, I can do so. And I thought about that a lot because if you understand, you know, for yourself, right? If you understand for yourself, like what makes you feel well off, what makes you feel rich, Maybe you realize that like that thing is not as inaccessible as you thought, um, especially if it is something that's, that's somewhat obtainable. Um, and so it's just helped me have some perspective as I've traveled and done different things you know, throughout my life since.
1: And it sounds like throughout your life, I mean, it's you have goals, but it's also okay for those goals and aspirations to adjust to where you are. They do of change. Of course,
0: absolutely. I think people sometimes hold off on setting a big goal or making a commitment because of that fear of change, because they think, well, what if I change my mind? I always think, well, if you change your mind, then you change your mind. You change your mind because you get experience, because like you, you learn, right? You gain wisdom, and so you maybe you realize the the thing that I wanted to do is a little bit different, or maybe that was the thing I wanted to do for a while, and that was fine. But now, because of what I've learned and experienced, I want to do something different. But if you don't commit in the first place and like pursue that goal, then you'll never get to that spot.
1: It almost reminds me of when we all have sort of that number in our head that's sort of our safety number where all feel secure at this number, and it's always changing.
0: Right. So that's like a whole different thing, right? Because it always goes up. It never goes down. Does it? You know what I mean? No,
1: it never does go down.
0: Right. So that's why it's like, you have to really think about not just like, what is the number, but what is the life that I want to have? How do I create that that life? Because ultimately, like there's always somebody with more money or more, you know, whatever the metric is.
1: Exactly. The metrics change. Basically what you perceive as someone that's wealthy is going to change, but there's always going to be in my mind, someone who is wealthier than you.
0: Of course. Well, there always will be in reality, you know, not just in your mind. You know, I mean, that leads to a whole other thing about what what is happiness, what is purpose, why are we doing all this stuff? And of course, we want to make more money, but ultimately needs to to be grounded to a greater purpose, or else we won't actually be that happy.
1: So, what is the lesson from that money story of going from being perfectly happy with Burger King to being now, you know, dining on an extremely expensive breakfast at exotic locations of W hotels?
0: But I think maybe it comes down to like knowing yourself and knowing yourself and what are your goals? Like, what are you working towards? What is important to you and how are you going to make that happen? And how are you going to, as we said earlier, you know, adjust as you go along and be willing to to change your mind? You know, I'm a work in progress, like like everybody, but I just keep doing stuff.
1: Exactly. And it's okay to course correct. I mean, we're all human. We all change. Circumstances change. And it's okay for our goals and aspirations to change. But one thing that I think we will agree on is many people could always use an extra few bucks. And that's one of the things that you cover in The Many Tree, including a challenge. We're going to do a little bit of a spoiler. One of the characters is challenged by a mentor to make $1,000 in a week. Which is extreme, but for your everyday money tip, you're gonna give us some tips on how to make some extra income. Maybe we'll give people a month. How's that?
0: Sure. So my philosophy and trying what I'm what I'm trying to teach through the book is like you can have a good job and still be under the water. You can still be struggling, especially if you have debt. I mean, so many people have debt related to student loans or credit cards or all kinds of things. And so you can be a hard worker, but you're not actually going to get ahead just through budgeting or just through being frugal or cutting back on your lattes or whatever. So I mean, the number one thing I think most people need to do, especially young people like coming into the jog market for the first time, but really anyone who's struggling, the number one thing is, is not so much cutting back. It's increasing their income. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why like, you know, in the book, the story of this guy, you know, Jake, who is a hard worker, has a good job, but struggling with debt, it's affecting the whole rest of his life, his relationships, his job and so on. So he gets this challenge. Okay. You know, Jake make a thousand dollars, you know, in the next week, and at first he's like, "Well, if I knew how to do that, I wouldn't be in the situation I'm in now." But essentially, what what he learns to do, uh, you know, at least at first, is the art of reselling, buying and reselling stuff. And he begins with selling stuff that's just in his closet, basically his economics textbook, you know, from college. And this is what I did 21 years ago. If I go back to like the dark ages, you know, of my self employment history, and like I, I sold stuff on eBay. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a degree in that. It's like I had a degree in sociology. Just selling things online, learning to buy stuff from a flea market or a yard sale or from another online source, then selling it somewhere else, Like this arbitrage effect, uh, it felt so, so empowering you know, to me. And so I kind of recreated that in the story of the money tree. Is like this guy has to re- buy and resell $1,000 worth of items over the, the next week. And then from there, he learns and goes on to do other stuff. I think this is like, it's not like everybody should go out and become a professional reseller. I'm not saying that. but if you're looking for something that's like practical, if you're looking for like, oh, I need to actually make money next week, I need to actually do something in a very short period of time, then I think that's a good path to look at. And maybe from there you'll get some confidence, you'll get some experience, you know, to go on to do something bigger and better from there.
1: Yeah. I mean, we all have stuff around our house that we don't need. And rather than throw it out, see if there's a market for it. You might be surprised. I've sold stuff on sites like Poshmark that I didn't want rather than, and I give a lot to charity too, but things that were in very good condition, uh, maybe something had a tag on it. I don't know. <laughs> right. um, you know, look, it happens. We all make mistakes as consumers so the easiest thing to do is yeah just sell what you already have and then maybe feel out the market and see what what there's demand for the other thing let's talk more about your book one thing that i really liked about it is that there are mistakes that the characters make and they eventually learn to listen to the customers more than themselves in a way it's not necessarily what you want to sell it's what people want to buy right
0: Right, exactly. And I think that's why a common mistake people make when they enter this world is they ask themselves, like, what are you passionate about? Like, what's your passion? And I think it's much more helpful and practical to ask yourself, like, what are your skills? What are you good at? What do other people value? Like, what do other people value? That actually might lead you to creating your little service business or your product business um, that's going to be more successful, right? Because if you're passionate about something, it may not necessarily mean that somebody else values that thing. But as you kind of pay attention, as you listen, like with the Poshmark thing, you can go and not just sell the stuff that you have from your house. But when you do that, you can look at all the Poshmark completed sales. You can look at eBay completed auctions and see what the price is, see who the buyers are, do this little reverse engineering process. And then from there, that's how you're like, oh, I can go and acquire this item somewhere else and resell it for $25 more, $50 more, whatever it is.
1: The other unexpected twist, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's another character that mm-hmm. is experiencing corporate life.
0: Uh, yes. Well, this is the character's brother and he's actually going into a new startup. And so it's a, it's a bit of a parody essentially. And like my whole market, my whole life experience is, has been, you know, in what I call this third way approach, which is kind of the approach of an accidental entrepreneur, the middle America approach of not the traditional way of starting a business, which is going to the bank and borrowing money, writing an 80 page business plan that no one's ever really going to read or follow versus you know, the startup Silicon Valley approach, which is also inaccessible to a lot of people and not relatable. And not everybody wants to do that. Um, but the third way is like, what can I do right now? You know, Just like what we're talking about. What can I sell from my closet? What am I good at? What's the service that I might be able to provide? Maybe it's something that connects to my job or my career or my education, but maybe it's just something that I actually just have this knowledge about. Like maybe there's a a video game that I'm really good at. People ask me about all the time or some random topic that you might think has no value, but then you realize other people actually are interested in that information. So I'm all about like trying to help people like pull that, that kind of thing out.
1: All of your books are so different before this. What made you decide to take this approach?
0: Um, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, My other books are like more direct, you know, how to essentially... Uh, I never thought I could write fiction. I never had an aspiration to do that. But I, I started thinking about these characters, and in particular, the main character, Jake, who's going on this quest. Uh, I started thinking about these characters. I thought a lot about the time that I spent in West Africa. I was there for four years, mostly in Liberia, a couple other countries as well. And pretty much when I was there, like everybody living in those parts of the world, they are all entrepreneurs. They don't call themselves entrepreneurs, but they're all working for themselves and like hustling, buying and selling. There's no formal economy, and so I kept thinking about that experience, and then also about this character that I was kind of creating. And I just I thought about it for maybe three months before I actually started writing. And then once I started writing, I was like, "Yes, I want to I want to commit to this, you know, for better or worse."
1: Uh, and one teaser for our audience that kind of theme is woven into the book where the characters do take a trip and and they witness how uh, business is done in other parts of the world. But I'll leave it to everyone to check out the book. Chris, before I let you go, first of all, tell us where people can get the book, where people can find out more about you, and what else you're working on these days.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, thank you for a very wonderful, kind conversation. Um, people can get the book at any bookstore or online retailer. It's called The Money Tree, Finding the Fortune in Your Own Backyard. Uh, my name is Chris Gillibo, so nobody can spell that. But if you type something close to that into Google, you'll find me uh, or it's 193countries on Instagram.
1: Awesome. And anything else you're working on that we should That's right. Talk about? You asked
0: that as well. Sorry. Um, I'm going on a 40-city tour, actually. So if you go to moneytreebook.com, you can see uh, all the different cities I'm in. I'm doing free events, free meetups uh, in all these different cities across North America. Uh, so I would love to meet some of your listeners.
1: Thank you so much, Chris. And congratulations again on the book.
0: Thank you. It's a big honor.
1: Before we get to my take, I want to share an update on that book tour that Chris mentioned at the end of our interview. Unfortunately, but to no one's surprise, it is being postponed. But if you go to his website, get on his mailing list, he will let you know when it is happening. Let's get to the tips. Financial grown-up tip number 1. Adapting the definition of wealthy for yourself is part of becoming a financial grown-up and going through different life phases, and it's okay for your lifestyle to change as you go through those life stages. So for example, I remember my first full-time paycheck as a news associate at CNBC, right out of college. First real full, full full-time job. I'd been making minimum wage, part-time jobs, and so on. But now I had a big paycheck, full-time. I felt so rich for about a minute. But just like Chris. As I moved up and got raises, my lifestyle changed, my expectations for what I wanted to buy changed, and so did my definition of feeling rich. That's perfectly normal. Look, there are a lot of people that will tell you, don't upgrade your lifestyle at all, but that's not always realistic. There's some happy medium there. At least that's what I think. So it's also good to do what Chris does and remember how little it took to feel rich at one time in your life so that you can adapt and also you can appreciate your accomplishments. Financial run-up tip number two, let's all get rid of stuff that we now realize we truly, and I mean truly, do not need. Look at what we're living with these days, so much less. While it's sad and frustrating that for many of us, our world is smaller, and hopefully this is a temporary thing, a very temporary thing, the truth is we're also learning in this temporary time, I'm going to go with that, what really matters. My family moved out of the city to self-quarantine in a more rural area We didn't have a lot of room. We each got to take just a little bit of stuff and we're okay. We thought we'd go back and get more. I'm not sure we're going to be able to, but I'm not sure it really matters. We just don't need so much stuff. I hope you guys enjoyed my talk with Chris as much as I did. Please subscribe to the Financial Grown-Up Podcast if you aren't already. Reviews truly appreciated. I'd also love to hear from all of you what makes you feel rich and if that is changing in these historic and very challenging times. DM me on Instagram at Bobby Rebel one and on Twitter at Bobby Rebel. Everyone, make sure to get your copy of The Money Tree and share it on social media to help more people discover the book. Remember, a lot of authors have books coming out at this time and it's hard to get the word out when they can't go out, literally. So please do support authors. This book in particular, The Money Tree, is a great read, perfect for spending all this time at home. And of course, huge thanks to Chris Gillibo for helping us all be financial grown-ups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.